Hello, and welcome to another episode of Johanna's Art Beat. I'm your host, Johanna Grisset. Most recently, I spoke with Jack Leon Horton, my friend whose album Is This a Vibe is out now. He's also in the hit Netflix series, movie rather, excuse me, The Harder They Fall, which you can catch now. Today, I have three very special guests. I have the writer of A Brief Encounter, Manny Barrero I spoke with, as well as Sarah Gordon, the director of the play, and my co-star in the play, Orlando F. Rodriguez. A Brief Encounter is going to be performed as part of the New York City Love Fest, the short play festival at the Players Theater in New York City, February 10th to the 13th. It's 7 p.m. each night, except for Sunday at 3. The 10th to the 13th only, depending on when you're listening to this. Hopefully, the play hasn't started yet, and you can come out and see us. We'd love to have you. This is going to be, for me, my off-Broadway debut, and I'm very excited. It will be in the Players Black Box. For tickets, you can check out theplayers.com. This is the Players Theater.com. So that's T-R-E.com. Or if you follow me on social media, I've got a link set up. Make sure you use the code CAST, that's C-A-S as in Sam T, CAST, to make the tickets $20. Again, only the 10th or the 13th. Now, I'm going to be having my conversations with them shortly. Before that, I also just wanted to mention, as this is a short play festival, there's a few other plays playing as well. They're all brief, and as our writer says, if you don't like one, you'll like the next, but I think they're all going to be great. Um, We've got also Shame, written by Danielle Boss, Good Intentions, written by Andrea Woodbridge, our show, of course, Machete Mary, written by Karina Torres, and Spring Brides, circa 2020, written by Wayne L. Firestone. So please come out and see these wonderful shows. Thanks for tuning in, and let me tell you more about my friends who are on the podcast today. So today on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about a Brief Encounter, written by Manny Barrero. It's a new short play that will make its debut during the New York City Short Play Festival at the Players in New York City. The Players, it's going to be their black box, but it's located at 115 McDougal Street in New York. Zip code is 10012. And if you are taking a train, you just take the West 4th subway stop, and it's like a minute or two from there. It, as I said, was written by Manny Barrero and stars myself, and Orlando F. Rodriguez, and was directed by Sarah Gordon. Having a lot of fun with this one. I play um, the main, the female lead. So the play has three characters, real woman, imaginary woman, and man. I play both women, and Orlando plays man. The entire play takes place on a New York City train platform. Real woman and man are waiting for the train, and the play is a bit of a what-if, or choose-your-own-adventure between the two. Since this is a short play, I'm going to make my description short, plus we chat about it quite a bit in the interview, but the play centers mainly around the interactions between imaginary woman and man. Imaginary woman is the voice in man's head, his anxiety, his worst fears. If he says hello to this pretty girl, real woman, um, the Polish immigrant who he wants to talk to, will she respond the way he wants, or will it all fall apart? It's really a great representation of the fear of putting oneself out there and the struggles of trying to find a connection in this city. Because it's set in New York City, of course. Imaginary woman coaches man to what he might say to real woman, 
and we see some scenarios play out. If you've also ever watched Insecure, it's a bit like Issa talking to herself in the mirror. I don't want to give too much in detail because I think you really have to see it, but it's a really well-written play and I was thrilled to be asked to be a part. Before I get to my conversation with my three guests, the most I've ever had, let me tell you a bit about them. Benny Barrero is our writer. He was born in Gibraltar and raised in Queens, and he writes about people who struggle on the margins of society to find acceptance. His productions include Climbing the Unisphere with Queens Theatre in the Park, 167 Tongues, The Immigrant Voices Project, Worn with This Woman's Work Theatre Company, I'll 2B with Lincoln Square Theatre, Final Bingo with Heartland Theatre Festival, and Love Poems with Abingdon Theatre Company. His play Excellent Souls was a Yale drama series runner-up. Our director for this show is Sarah Gordon. Sarah is a New York City-based producer, director, and actor. This is the first time she'll be directing at NYC Short Play Fest. Past directing credits include Sunset Limited with Rogue Theatre Fest, Canadian Tuxedo at Nutley Little Theatre in New Jersey, and several other one-acts that she produced with her company, Drawing Cats Productions. She's also been helping actors find new audition monologues on Instagram and TikTok, at Phrased underscore scripts, and gaining her master's certification in theatre for diversity and inclusion at Montclair State. You can find more about Sarah at sarahgordon.com. That's G-O-R-D-E-N as opposed to O-N. And Orlando F. Rodriguez is my co-star on this. He's a graduate from the University of Texas at El Paso and has a degree in theater tech and design. He's currently living in New York to further pursue his career and his newfound love of writing. Credits as a playwright include Angustius, Spring Cleaning for Mrs. J, an expert from Rising Sun's The Rites of Spring, the Legend of the Beast in That Place with the Woods, an excerpt from Rising Sun's Holostream, and the Armando Project. As far as an, his acting, experience voice one in Betty's Summer Vacation, Greta in Bent, Barossa in a stage reading of Itzel, the Pirate Queen, and in film, Ben in Cleo y las Cabronas, Jimmy in Exponential, King Ralphie in Placed, he would like to thank his family, wife, and fur baby for their continuous love and support. Now, without further ado, here are my guests, Manny Barrero, Sarah Gordon, and Rolando F. Rodriguez. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to Johanna's Art Beats. I have today with me uh, Manny Barrero, who is the writer of A Brief Encounter, that myself and Orlando Rodriguez, Orlando, is going to be in with me, and Sarah Gordon is our director. So welcome, guys. Hello. Hi, thank Hi. you for having us. Of course. I'm so excited because we uh, connected for this play that Sarah's directing, and it's going to be premiering. I think, many is this the world premiere? Or like, or um, have it produced anywhere else? And this version, I did have another version of it, but this is, you know, I, I a lot of times I play around with the pieces, but this particular version is unique, and it's a world premiere. 
awesome. Well, then the world premiere of this A Brief Encounter, which is part of the New York City Theater Fest at the Players. It's going to be in their smaller black box theater, which is more intimate and awesome. Um, this Thursday through Sunday, every night it's at seven except for Sunday at three. Tickets are going to go fast because it's a small theater. So follow me. You can just check out. I have the link there, but we're going to talk a bit about that and about these amazing people and their careers. Okay. So, um, I start each episode with how I met the guests. Obviously I met you all from the play. Um, and I, I submitted on Active Access, which, you know, for which those in the industry might not know it's the main casting site used and to start with that i just want to chat a little bit about the casting process this is a kind of exciting thing to see behind the curtain right sarah uh this is your first time directing at this festival you have directed before so i know a lot of actors probably wonder about casting you know we often have casting directors but sometimes with smaller productions the director does it all as you have so what were you looking for in your actors yes ah casting is casting is such time um just to, to backtrack a little bit um please i i definitely recommend anyone who's an actor if they get the opportunity to cast something on backstage or actors access or playbill to do that because i've learned so much as an actor and so much about the submission process and how i should submit myself through receiving hundreds of submissions and seeing which submissions stand out um so for this uh, project, um, I was casting very quickly. Uh, as with most of the things I've cast up to this point, the sooner I can get the role cast, the sooner I could start rehearsals, and the more rehearsals, the better. So I definitely wanted to make a decision as quickly as possible. Um, and I got a lot of submissions for this one. I wow. got over 100. I got about 180. You beat a lot um, of people, Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, um, nice. That is a lot more um, to go through. Do you do that all yourself or does someone like help you parse them out? Or? For, for right now, yeah, I cast, uh, many did help later in the process, but to get through the, that initial bulk, um, I did that myself. Wow. Um, and I'll say the first thing I did was anyone who did not have a video attached to their submission, like a reel or a monologue, something, uh, they were out just because okay. I didn't have enough time to. Right. If I, I needed to be able to see people work, um, and it kind of comes down to that. So anyone who didn't have a video with their initial submission was out. Um, also, for me, I really like receiving notes on the submission. Mm. I like when people take the time to at least say thank you, to give a brief um, sentence of why they're interested, just something. Um, I've noticed a lot that it almost seems like actors submit blindly for everything and i got a lot of submissions where i'm wondering why are you submitting for this because this isn't what i asked for mm -hmm. not to say don't submit if you don't fit because i one of my biggest success stories was i submitted to a film they were looking for a man and but i really resonated with the script so i said even though you're looking for a man i love this role i would love to be considered and i got the part um mm -hmm. so definitely take that chance but don't Right, right. Why you are taking the chance? Why do you feel the writer of the script or the director should change their mind for you? Needless to say, anyone for this, anyone who didn't write a note was out. Did I write um, a right note? Out. What did it was my? Because I almost never write notes. What did I? You even did. Write? You did. Um, uh, for this, the real woman is of a uh, Polish. Is Polish, oh right, I wrote that's why Polish immigrant. So I did ask um, if right, anyone. Right, right. 
both Polish, if anyone was of Polish descent, if anyone can do a Polish accent to include that. So you did, um, I believe in your in your letter, you said that you can do a Polish accent. Um, so yeah, basically anyone who didn't have a video, anyone who didn't have a note was out. Then I went through anyone who spoke Polish went into went to, into a group. Anyone who could do a Polish accent went into a group. Anyone who was descendant oh. of Polish went into a group. Then that's when I started watching videos and seeing what people could do. And at that point, all the videos are good. Like I I have never seen a reel where I went, wow, that was like every reel I've ever seen. It's like, you're great. You're a great actor. It's not even about performance or ability. It's It was at that point who fits this role, who fits this age, who at that point Lando was cast. So who do I think would work well with Lando? Um, and I narrowed it down to five people initially. I wanted to set, have taped the script. So I sent out, uh, Johanna, you were one of them. Um, I sent out uh, sides to five people. Only three responded with wow. some tape. And that's when I brought many in and was like, this is what we got. Um, and it, obviously if those three, if none of them fit, I would have sent out another, picked another five and sent another request out. But luckily you, <laughs> you stood out among the rest. Um, and we were both unanimously um, excited to invite you on board. That's interesting. So you have people who actually could speak Polish. There was there was one person who, um, but actually, I think she was one of the people who did not sell it. Ah, gotcha. Um, I, so they just never did. They never just tell you they they couldn't do it or just nothing. They just they just nothing. Interesting. I wonder if they just forgot or got intimidated. Who knows? That's that's interesting because I would always like you yeah. know. I can understand missing a deadline, I guess, but then I'd be like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, and so please don't hate me for the next half. Um, and that's really interesting to know about the notes, too, because half the time, you know, you submit, you're supposed to submit for, like, a lot as an actor, so I don't always write something in the notes, so that's, I'm going to try to always write something in the notes now. And I think that's preference. I feel like there's definitely yeah, casting directors who don't care as much. Just for me, I like having, I like knowing that the person took the time that they read what I wrote. Oh, Sometimes absolutely. I really suspect people don't read what I write. So yeah. just a little acknowledgement of like, I like this character because of this. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. And what about uh, for Lando's tape? Did anything stand out for you? I know you said he was very funny. Yeah, I I adored Lando's tape. Um, he, what he took, I, I don't know about anyone else. When I read a script, I actually hear voices in my head. Like, <laughs> that sounds scary, but I hear the characters are talking to me. I hear their voice. I hear choices that they're making. I hear uh, dialogue shifts in my head as I'm reading it. So I already kind of had like this preconceived, like how I heard the man talking. And when Lando sent in his tape, it was completely different beyond anything oh. I had ever considered. And I love that. I love, I think the best thing an actor could ever do is make a strong choice um, and surprise, surprise the director, surprise the casting director, surprise me. Um, and it showed me that he was able to play and that he would be able to surprise me and continue to make bold choices that I wouldn't expect. And I don't want, like, that's the best thing I could ask for. In a wow. over. That's awesome. And did you say, because my character will talk a little more about that. Uh, is two kind of two different people. Did you have people who did two separate auditions for each? Or did everybody just do the thing where they played the same character? I mean, each character. Um, For the first um batch of submissions, like for the first self-tape request I sent out, I had asked um 
the five women to read for both, kind of like you did. Like I gave them a section of the script that had lines for both the real woman and the imaginary woman. And I instructed the actors to play both parts, but to show a shift somehow bodily, uh, mm-hmm. vocally, like transform themselves on camera. Because I wanted to see who could do it and how they did it. Um, and if that didn't work, um, if it wasn't working, then I would have started sending out separate tapes to people for separate, like passing the role separately. But you did it very well. Oh, I was you. very impressed with how you transitioned. Um, thank you. Uh, so um, now that you complimented us a lot, thank you. I could listen. <laughs> okay, just keep complimenting me. That's fine. Um, so Orlando, you play man in this. What stuck yeah. out to you about this role and made you say, "Hey, I definitely want to do this." Um, I mean, just this the script was already very intriguing. Absolutely. Um, it resonated with me a lot. Um, I do tend to be that kind of guy that kind of gets stuck inside his head. Um, so that part really resonated with me. Uh, but on top of that, there was also, um, Sarah is actually married to an old friend of mine from college. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, my friend Dalton Gordon. So just that automatically was like, I kind of, sorry, I think your fire alarm's going off. Anyway. Okay. Um, uh, you're, you're a kinds of crazy things. No, my not having a fire there, cooking. are you? Though that's true. You're you're good. I'm good. My roommate's just cooking, and our fire alarm is hypersensitive. Oh, except okay. of course when something is really in danger. But you know that's just how those works. Um, but yeah, um, because she's married to my friend Dalton, and she's also friends with another college friend of mine, uh, Denise. Uh, we that's kind of how we connected, and when she offered the role, I was like, yeah, I definitely want to work together. Um, and when I read the script, I was like, yeah, this script is really cool. And I don't know, the character really stood out to me. It's just a lot of the things that the character deals with internally. I was like, it really resonated with me. So I want, I was, was very interested in reading for that part. Definitely. I agree. It was really interesting. I enjoyed the script. I liked it a lot. Um, okay, so many, let's talk a little bit about your writing process. You've written many plays, but what sparked the, the plot for this one? Then you said there were different versions as well, so maybe you want to tell us a little bit. Right. Well, um, the whole thing started really when I was, uh, doing a poetry journal, uh, as I walked around Queens. Uh, I just finished my 2021 blog, Wilds of Queens dot blogspot.com that was okay. so but uh so as i was uh i just uh, i was actually on the seven train and i'm always intrigued you know by just that that connection you know that that brief connection sometimes you meet eye to eye and what if you just freeze that and then really analyze it what is happening there's so many things that are going on with so many thoughts and, and, and that kind of just, uh, evolved into, uh, you know, this moment, uh, which really, if you look at the play, it, it's, it, it could just be that brief second, but, but in that brief second, so many things get to be revealed. And, uh, and that's how it sort of evolved from that spark of that idea. You know, I, I'm always, sometimes what amazes me, especially living in a city, is that you could be riding the subway and just that in that 
car. You're going to see people and be with them for like that ride and then never see them again for your whole life. Possibly. You know, or when you walk down the street and the sidewalk, you're seeing people, they're being born and they're dying in that one second. You'll never see them again. So that connection and that person that kept, that passed by, you know, if you really had the time, could be like your best friend or somebody really special uh, that you could connect with, but you just don't have it because we're busy running off to, to someplace else. So that's missed good. opportunities. <laughs> that's interesting. No, that's, that's that makes sense. Um, and what is the process for entering this play festival? I don't think people like really realize how many hoops like writers have. Right. Well, I'm going to plug a great website if you, you know, if you're into playwriting and you want to, it's a New York, nycplaywrights.org. Okay. And they're always listing and everything they list is no uh, submission fees. Wow. Uh, so, um, so I had heard about this festival from their previous festival, which was Boo. Uh, I think well, they did that the in Halloween. Did, right? Yeah. Yes, and I... then, um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Sarah. No, you're fine. I was going to say, I, I also, I performed in Boo, and that's also how I found out about the festival. So after performing in it, I knew I wanted to direct next, next season. Awesome. So this, for this one though, did you have to pay to like submit and stuff like that? I assume probably. Um, there is a, a small, uh, $50, uh, submission fee. Uh, um, but that's it. But usually, you know, depends on the, on the, on the festivals. Uh, some of them, they, they ask for submission fees. Uh, you know, that covers some of the costs, you know, uh, publicity and things like that. And of course, you're getting the, the space that you have to pay for, which is, which is, you know, four, four shows. So it's, it's definitely worth it. And, um, and, but you only submit, you only pay the submission fee after they've accepted you. Oh, interesting. I mean, it, so don't get accepted. That's, you that's, yeah. So you don't, you don't, you know, they're not asking. Some, some have reading fees where you pay, mm -hmm. let's say $25 oh. just to have them read this. Once you get accepted, then, then you have to, uh, a participation fee. It's not really a submission oh, fee. Okay. Uh, so that's the case. And the, and the reason I was intrigued by this is because of the theme, you know, love. And, um, and I had this piece and I said, you know, I think it's a good piece for that, that really deals with love and, and the, all the emotions that get wrapped up into it. So, uh, I said, why not give it a shot and see what happens? And I love that it's in the village, you know, yeah. and so, uh, so I went for it and they, luckily they accepted it and we got a great cast and a great director. What else could Yay! you ask? It's always <laughs> nice to hear. Um, cool. So you, many of the main female characters I play in this is Polish. Is there any particular reason you picked that or was there any connection? For you? Well, you know, uh, I'm friends with a small uh, Polish community in my neighborhood. So I, you know, I'm always intrigued by, by, um, dialects and accents and, and, uh, just rhythms of speech. And, and really the, the Polish experience where I was capturing is of somebody who left Poland to come to America. You know, sort of traditional, but to come and, 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 and be successful. And, uh, but then, you know, she's having a tough time adjusting to the life and she's alone and the pressures, but she can't really be honest with the family because, you know, they, they, they expect her something. So, um, just that, that whole idea of, uh, fitting in and really, um, 
sort of contrasts with, with the man who's also trying to fit in the wrong ways. So they both have a lot of similarities in that they're, um, they're trying to be accepted and, uh, in, in the society, um, and, you know, with, within themselves and with each other, you know, uh, so. No, I, I agree. Um, and I know both myself, my, um, my family and background is Polish. Like my great, great grandparents came from there. Uh, and they came to Greenpoint in Brooklyn. My mom is always like, you're going back mm. to your roots when I moved here. And I know, Sarah, you said yeah. you have Polish heritage as well. Does that kind of draw you in a little bit on the flight to Sarah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I would have been drawn in the play even if there was a Polish character. But it's always, it's always cool to see. Like, oh yeah, I can, I relate, I, I relate to this. There's more personal detail we can put into the building of that character because both I and you understand what that means to be Polish. Um, there, there was actually a little part. Oh wow! I almost wish I was auditioning for this instead of directing. Oh. So I think I do think I actually look a little young for the role, but yeah, it's it's always fun to see myself in in a script. No, it, it's cool because I don't think I've ever gotten to submit for something that's like maybe I guess either Polish or like French would be the one. But yeah, I mean, and we were talking about how interesting it is that um, that my late grandmother would, uh, you know, she was wonderful, but she would. She would do Polish as like a secret language with my mother, so that's why, unfortunately, like I didn't get passed down. But uh, hopefully, more, more uh, parents are better with that now. <laughs> but I think the play really highlights the immigrant experience. You know, as woman is at least in the man's mind. You know, uh, she's a first generation immigrant, and Orlando, I know you're bilingual, and you know, with many's approval. And Sarah's idea, we put some Spanish in for the man. Um, we had all discussed that woman might have been like teased for not speaking English well. Did any of you like have any experiences like that that connected with the character? I would assume meaning men or Orlando, but if you're comfortable sharing them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, definitely for me, one of the biggest bilingual struggles has been not speaking Spanish enough for my Spanish, uh, for my Mexican family and not speaking yeah. English enough for the English friends I had. Mm. Um, so, I was always kind of stuck in the middle. Um, but luckily, for whatever reason, I never let it bother me and I was able to develop both languages. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely come in handy. Um, I mean, th- there's a lot of jobs that I've gotten just simply for the fact that I can so easily, uh, bounce between languages. Um, but yeah, there was definitely, Pooling at some point. I remember even in college when we met a British guy, um, and we were having dinner with him, and he tells my friends like, you know, it's interesting because you very clearly have an American accent, and to my other friends like, you clearly have a Mexican accent, and to me he was like, we don't know what your accent is, because apparently I have something that's stuck in the middle somewhere between both Spanish and English. Um, so the, that aspect really resonated with me because, yeah, I've definitely, definitely dealt with those issues. Because I've always been, like, jealous of people who can speak. Like, I can understand a little and speak a little Spanish, but, like, I, I wish I'd been raised with it so I could be fluent because it opens more doors for you. So it's just a great thing to be able to, like, I really understood that. Um, many, did you have any, like, experiences? Because you came from Gibraltar, right? Yeah, so uh, 
uh, I was born in Gibraltar, and Gibraltar is a fish uh, possession, and so the official language is English. But my mom is not from Gibraltar. My dad is. My mom is from Morocco. So oh, okay. her native language is actually Spanish and French. It's okay. from Tangiers. So, um, so she grew, you know, I grew up speaking Spanish. That's my native language. And, um, uh, and then when I came here, I was eight years old and really, I didn't really practice it that much. So I sort of lost it. I always spoke to my mom. So she just died a few years ago. She lived to 90. I always spoke to her Spanish. So I always maintained this, this, familial language uh, and so i i spoke enough but then um i started teaching bilingual social studies in newtown and uh and i had to kind of learn relearn the, my own language in a way because i wasn't that, that, that fluent with it and uh, one of the most you know traumatic experience if you want to say is that um there's, there's sometimes you know, it, it, you, you go with words that sound similar to English in Spanish. There's so many of them, like freestyle is crystal. So I was saying to the kids, I'm a little bit uh embarrassed. So then I said, well, should I? So I said, estoy un poquito embarazado. So and they start laughing for like, you know, three years about this because embarazado means pregnant. Oh. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't embarrass. So, so, but in, in any case, the kids were always great. They were always very, you know, uh, forgiving of mistakes and made very encouraging. And we worked together. You know, I was helping them learn English and they were helping me with Spanish. And, and, you know, after a few years, I really felt really comfortable. Sometimes that's all I spoke in, in the school because I taught three classes bilingual and you know we did most of it a lot of it in spanish and then i was the the great advisor for spanish-speaking students so i i you know all day you start almost thinking in spanish you know so uh because that's the only the thing is when you're bilingual is are you thinking in english and then speaking in, in the other language or so you know um crisscrossing that but yeah, but I love the fact that we're putting, um, you know, this bilingual, um, element into the piece. It's, yeah, it's wonderful. So, yeah. uh, really, um, kudos to you guys for that. That's a really great element. And like I said, when I, I got this idea, it was on the seven train, which has a, you know, big, um, um a, a meeting of so many different cultures. That's true. Yeah. That is the thing you do on the subway. Um, All different people. Latino population. So that's great. Yeah, no, and thank you for being like agreeable to adding things and stuff like that. That's yeah, cool. definitely. I'm always, you know, my thing is, um, you had talked about collaborative. I yeah, think I really, like uh, it, it's not enough. I think I, I'm always, you know, I write peace, but it's only one part of the process. It, it has to come to life through uh, the director's vision and then the actors putting it in. And then you really get a true collaboration where, it's that's when I'm excited to see what you know what comes out of this uh, because I don't know you know it's, it's going to be very different from the, what was in my head and that's what I look for if it's just in my head I don't need to put it up you know that's true mm -hmm. um, and what about your decision to make her uh, a domestic worker a housekeeper um, I guess that's because mostly those kind of people unfortunately or people who do that job excuse me um, probably get overlooked or easier to kind of fade into the background. Was that the reason why you picked that? 
yeah, I, I really felt like uh, it was somebody who, um, you know, struggling to to find acceptance in the society and and uh, and you know that kind of job. You know, sometimes you know it's it's tenuous. You know, you could be working one time and not working, and so they're 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 doing their best uh, to 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 again fit into the society, uh, be successful. Um, and, but it's a struggle, you know, for a lot of people to, to survive on, you know, in jobs where they're not getting paid enough. They don't have the benefits. And, uh, but, you know, she still has to maintain, uh, a successful illusion for herself and, and for her family and, and for the decision that she made, you know, to come here and, and, uh, and be successful. And it's not easy for a lot of immigrants to just, you know, um, you know, get to the point where they they feel like they've they they made the right decision. Even you know, uh, for Poland, you know, um, I mean, she could go back to Poland, but then it's a it's a question of like going back and then feeling like you're a failure. I mean, I'm sure her family would accept her, and uh, and she could go back uh, to Poland. But I think that she made a commitment. I think a lot of people that come here. Uh, my wife, uh, she's, she's actually from the Philippines and she's a nurse and she came here and, um, you know, it was a struggle, you know, but it was a big decision to leave. You know, she has, uh, um, seven brothers and sisters to leave the family behind and come here by yourself. And I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's a good paying job being a nurse and everything, but still it's a new culture. You, you lose your family. You, you lose that, you know, connection. And, um, so to, you know, it's, it's it's a bold decision. So I think that that allows her also, you know, that she is looking for connection. And I think that's that's where the two characters can meet. They're looking for some kind of connection in their own, you know, ways. So that's funny because my my brother's actually he's adopted. He's Filipino. So I was like, oh, okay. oh yeah, oh nice, yeah, yeah, really cool. Um, Manila, like when he was very small, right. Um, yes. cool. and it's very brave for anybody. I, I don't really, to me, even just, you know, moving to another state is a little scary. I can't imagine <laughs> for me. That's so brave to move to another country. It's, it's insane to me. It's like, that's, they, they should Especially be. by yourself. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very brave and very bold. Right. Um, I think so. Um, so for, I don't know why I wrote this as musically in my notes, but is there, um, for you guys and your families, do you have other artistic folks in your like in your family or how did your your family members feel about you guys getting into the arts? That's for all <laughs> of them. Whatever if you want to talk. <laughs> um for in my family there's definitely been some artistic people. Um a grandfather I never met was apparently a big guitarist. Oh. Um some people on my dad's side of the family were musicians who or composers. Wow. Um there's definitely some actors, but unfortunately, I still feel like there's a heavy, especially in uh, my Mexican culture, there's still a very heavy art is not a job kind of sentiment. Gotcha. Um, so it wasn't necessarily easily lucky. Luckily, I have parents who have been supportive of it, but it's one of those things that are support. Their idea of support is we will support you until you make it big, but we do hope that at some point you'll snap out of it and get a real job. <laughs> so there's always that issue, but um, 
I mean, and there's definitely some artistic stuff around my family. My brother's definitely the heavily musically inclined one. He, um, he was a drummer. Uh, he's that kind of person that could probably listen to a song and pick up the beat right away. Uh, so there's definitely some art in our blood. Um, but unfortunately, culturally, it's still not very much seen as a career choice. So that's been a struggle, um, but definitely has gotten better throughout the years with family members realizing I'm still doing it and still trying it. And I'm they gotta not... get with the program. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And oddly enough, I feel like most of the criticism came from aunts and uncles rather than my parents. So, yeah, and unfortunately, that just comes with the culture. That makes sense. I feel like even, I mean, for me, my parents are very supportive, but there's still always that worry of like, well, you might have to just get a regular job. To support. Like, they're always, they want to make sure you're, you take, you're taken care of. I think some of that is kind of understandable because you don't want your kid when you die, hopefully they don't have a long time, but you don't want them to like be struggling because I think that's part of it. But it's, it's hard. It's like yeah. doing art is like what I have to do, unfortunately. I didn't really choose it for me. <laughs> So how mm-hmm. about Manny or Sarah? What, what about you guys and your families? Um, so my my mom is and my sister both are um visual artists. Like they, my mom was a graphic designer, okay. um, so she's very good with uh art on the computer design. Um, and my sister, she also is good with graphic design. But she's also, I mean, they're both very good at um, painting, with drawing, um, that sort of that sort of art. Um, and my mom, uh, did actually study art in college, mm-hmm. like in terms of paint and drawing. Um, and <laughs> that actually made her more worried when I said I wanted to go into oh, theater. Cause she, <laughs> no, no, not another artist. Um, but I'm definitely the lone wolf in my family in terms mm-hmm. of performing. Like nobody knows how, where that came from. <laughs> how are you comfortable being in front of people? Where did that come from? Not me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but the, the support did not come right away there was a lot of worry a lot of um trying to get me to change my mind I wasn't accepted for I'd say the first few years um and then I think eventually uh as I kept pursuing art and theater um my family just kind of accepted like it's what she's gonna do she's stubborn and I'm not going to change her mind no matter what I do me trying to change her mind is pushing her further away so um I'm very lucky that now they they are very supportive they've definitely especially with the pandemic trying to pursue art in a pandemic not um possible (laughs) or easy um so they've definitely helped me out of some binds um have been there for me um they've been supportive as I go back to school and take some more theater classes um so i'm very lucky and i had a very good um teachers who really supported me in like that that time when i wasn't necessarily getting the support i needed from my family i got from my teachers and my in-laws are both um actors directors playwrights Uh, my husband is Mm -hmm. uh actor director fight choreographer so now my family as it's gotten larger as I feel surrounded by my artists. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and I forgot, I should mention too, because my mom listens to all of these. My mom is also a very good artist. Like she paints and draws and stuff like that. So mom, mm. don't be offended that I didn't say that right away because you're wonderful. Actually, <laughs> I have a picture up there that she, she did. Wow. But uh, how about nice. you, Minnie, and your, your family? 
Uh, well, my mom, you know, um, she was amazing at knitting and, and she could create beautiful scarves and hats and really just with her own patterns. So she had like an, an intrinsic, uh, artistic sensibility for those things, but you know, never trained for it. But it was always funny when she would come with like, you know, my aunt, her sister, they would come to the play and they, they, my mom never really went much to plays, but like, invariably somewhere in the middle of the play or somewhere they'd start having like a little conversation <laughs> like they're in the living room talking about the play and, uh, shh. And, That's and, so but but you know she always appreciated it and uh was always supportive of uh you know coming to see whatever work i did and uh and as far as you know my family i i think they, they've always been kind of uh supportive in that sense of encouraging and, and things like that so well good um sarah i know you have a production company called drawing cats i want to know i'm very interested in this how did this come about tell me about drawing cats please. <laughs> thank you yeah i was i was surprised to see this question but thank you so much for uh doing your research on it um so uh drawing cats productions came about um very early on in the pandemic actually like april 2020 um we it was kind of my response you know the pandemic happened i had about my my week of feeling of just mass depression <laughs> lots of wine um and then about after that i started taking classes and trying to use the time to better myself um and about three weeks in, three, four weeks in, I started to really pick up on uh, the fact that I was, I had kind of started to uh, try to make the most of it by taking classes and stuff, but I was looking around me and seeing all the actors that I knew were really struggling. Um, and it, it was such a sad time for so many people. And I wanted to do something to help and wanted to do something to make people, give people opportunities to perform. So it started out as you know, let's, uh, going, going with my husband and saying, yo, let's get some of your parents' plays. They're both, they're both, um, published, produced playwrights. Let's, okay. um, let's take some of their plays that haven't been, um, published and let's do some staged readings and we'll put them up on YouTube. Um, I, I, I don't, I actually feel like I wasn't, I definitely wasn't the first person to do Zoom theater. I know there were people before me, but I felt, um, I felt like it was before it, everyone was doing it. Like I felt, I felt very innovative. I believe you. Um, and, uh, one of the things that I was very proud of as well is that instead of there, I saw a lot of companies do Zoom calls where you came on a call similar to how we are now. Um, and I saw a lot of people record and put the recording out, but, um, I, really wanted to create that sense of like live theater, but still have as many people come and see it without like the zoom call limitations. So I actually live streamed to YouTube. So okay. that way you had that sense of, okay, showtime at eight, we're going live. Um, but also anyone who couldn't make it to the live show can still, it's there's stuff still up on YouTube currently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so we're the, is it Drawing Cats on YouTube? Sorry. Yep, Drawing Cats Productions okay. on YouTube. We also have a website, drawingcatsproductions.com, um, Instagram, at Drawing Cats Productions. Um, but yeah, we, we as um, things started actually becoming kind of successful, um, we started getting bigger and bigger, um, you know, went from staged readings or staged at home readings, as I call them, and I started producing some shows. Um, we actually made income which was 
Wow. So exciting. Like we were, we were actually making income. Um, so now my goal is to kind of bring this away from virtual theater and like produce something like in person in New York. And I'm in the beginning stages of that now. Um, there's a couple plays, Lando's plays, one of them. (laughs) We're, um, kind of in the very, very early stages of like, rewrites this is this is something we want to do um we'll probably do some staged that re staged readings maybe some youtube staged readings for fundraising purposes maybe some staged readings like in person around new jersey and new york um as we develop some new scripts some original scripts and um get them produced in new york awesome um Congrats. That's really, that's really awesome. You took a lot of initiative and that's really cool. I'm excited. Well, thank you. <laughs> you mentioned the play with, with Orlando called The Armando Project. That'll be playing, I think, next month on the 9th, did you say? Is that um, March 6th. March 6th. We have a staged reading of, um, Orlando's play, uh, at Nutley Little Theater in Nutley, New Jersey. Uh, it's a free event, 2 p.m. Um, I mean, I'm sure Orlando can talk a little bit more but about that Tell us a little bit about, a little bit about your play. I didn't, get a chance to read all of it because it's quite long uh but it's yeah. uh because i was doing all this some of these questions a little last minute unfortunately i read some of your short plays which were great um this one though just what i glanced at it, it looks really interesting so tell, tell us a little bit about it yeah um this is actually my first full-length uh oh. play um it came about when uh, i was taking a, a playwriting course and one of the teacher's things was make a list of things that have happened in your life. Um, and I made my list and this seemed to kind of resonate. And it's essentially, I grew up surrounded by a lot of uh, machismo, you know, like a lot of yeah, I saw misogyny, a lot mm-hmm. of homophobia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of like my, what I grew up with as a, in my childhood. And then when I get to college, I find theater and I met a lot of gay friends in theater and it was kind of like my enlightenment into how wrong my upbringing was. Um, not, not by my parents. I want, I do want to clarify that. Uh, cause my parents were oddly enough not, um, uh, but it was just the society I lived in. Um, the friends I had in, in high school, um, even relatives, uh, who had a very misogynistic, very homophobic mindset. Uh, so when, Putting that into script, that's what happened. Um, and relating my experiences, transferring from high school to college, kind of letting that pass behind. Um, it is semi-autobiographical. There is definitely a lot of things I had to dramatize because, you know, ending a play with, and then they stop talking to each other. Just, <laughs> um, so there's the, so it's semi-autobiographical. Most of it is going to be, um, fiction. It sounds really interesting. And you said it was was a six, right? At two p.m. Usually, March sixth at two p.m. at Nutley Little Theater. Oh, it's, it's a really powerful play. Um, if anyone can make their way to New Jersey, definitely. definitely. I'm gonna try to make it because it's <laughs> from what I looked at, and it sounds really interesting. Um, so that's awesome. Um, and uh, Orlando, also we're talking to you. You more recently got into writing, so um, you said you were taking a class. Is that kind of what sparked you to give playwriting a, a try? And what's your writing process like? Yeah, so I had been trying to write for a long time, and I feel like I would always get, like, one or two scenes in and then not know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But luckily, uh, my wife, she's also an actress. Uh, Yuvia, she, she's a, she's an actor and she was performing, uh, with this company called the Playground Ex- uh, Experiment. Um, and I would go see her read some plays. Um, and at one of them, um, the, uh, one of their people, uh, David Davila announced that he was gonna be hosting a Voices of America class, which essentially the idea is, to bring around the voices of America. So they were really looking for uh, people of color, uh, LGBTQ, anybody that's not the norm of what plays are being produced. Um, so that's how I signed up into the course. And basically the biggest thing was learning how to make a step-by-step process. Um, like one of my bad habits was always like, and then this happened, and then this happened. Mm. And it was kind of learning, like, this happened and that led to this. Kind of, like, developing a little domino effect into your play. And that's kind of how I... That's kind of what created my process. Um, I create a giant outline to basically know where I'm going to end, what step I need to do next. Now I just need to write the process of getting to that step. Um, But that class, the Playground Experiment, I will always thank them because thanks to them, um, I essentially became a writer. Uh, and also, as odd as it is, if it wasn't for quarantine, being quarantined for so long, uh, this play wouldn't have been finished. Uh, that, that was my oh, quarantine thing. I was just writing because that's all I wanted to do at that point. That's all I could do at that point. Um, so the script was finished during the pandemic. Um, if it weren't for quarantine, I wouldn't have started a production company either. It's strange how things <laughs> like that happen. Before, I was like, I'm an actor. I don't make work. No one wants to see work that I make. Yeah. Completely changed. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of forces, it forces you to like adapt and stuff. Um, so there definitely was some things we, we kind of took our, our horrible situation and made some good out of it because it's really needed. Um, and, uh, let's talk just a little bit about directing, Sarah. Did you get any like formal training as a director? I feel like a lot of directors seem to just kind of learn as they do it. And what made you decide to pivot to also doing directing? Um, well, I got a bachelor's in theater. Um, I was my focus was acting. I did mostly acting, but um, I did take two directing classes that were required um, as part of my degree: directing one and advanced directing. Um, so I have I do have a little bit of training just in that sense. Um, and uh the head of our theater department, um do I name drop? Chuck Gordon. There go. Uh, he's amazing. He is he is one of those people, truly, 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 that you are lucky to meet in your lifetime. And the longer I live my life, the more I'm like, I will never work with someone I might I might never work with someone who's like genius like that ever again. Like completely changed my life in terms of how I make theater. Um, so he, even, even working with him, like he directed our, our school shows, working with him as an actor, I learned a lot about how, how he spoke to me, how he spoke to other people. Um, and then, uh, taking directing classes, like definitely he, he's just changed my life. Um, and everything I know about directing, I learned from him and, um, also from, um, 
uh, his wife, <laughs> Michelle uh, Prevette Gordon. Uh, she's also been a mentor to me, especially after school. Um, she did a lot of assistant directing and taught some classes while I was in school. But since um, graduating, uh, she's definitely um, taken on a huge mentorship role with me. Like she has, she has guided me so much. Um, and I don't think I would be nearly as successful without her. Um, she's assistant directed with me. Um, she, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, they're actually my husband's parents. So, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> so I'm really lucky that my two greatest mentors will be in my life, uh, whenever I need them for hopefully a long time to come. <laughs> awesome. I mean, mentors are, I mean, my main mentor, Eugenie Bonner, who's been on this uh, twice now, is wonderful. And you need someone who's also going to encourage you when you feel like, oh, this is not going right. So teachers are extremely important. I mean, many, you also teach at Newton High, which we kind of talked about. Right. Did you, you talked a little bit about it, your experience with the students, but did you find, are there any others where you feel like you've really gotten to mentor other students uh, in, in any area, I guess? Because you mostly do is social studies, right? Right. Well, uh, as far as teaching, a uh, um, couple of things, because uh, I also want to talk about one mentor in, okay. in the theater world, but but I'll, I'll talk first about the teaching. I always, you know, I was I was working in a in a office in Manhattan, and I looked out at the reflection of myself. It was like one of these big office buildings on Sixth Avenue, and I just said, I don't want to do this anymore. It was a nice, comfortable job, you know, but. I just, so I quit that job and I really had nothing else. And my friend said, Hey, come, you know, I had my degree, come and be a substitute teacher. And I did that for three years. I was, you know, working on some plays and things and I would just go. But then after three years, you know, the, fin the finances were a little tough and I was offered a job, uh, full time as a teacher. So I never really thought of teaching as a profession until I started doing it. And then I saw the opportunities for it in terms of uh, combining my theater with, with the classroom. And I saw that each class, you know, was a 40 minute class as a little production. And I would get like the students, you know, to, to participate as much as I could. And uh, so I got a lot of students, you know, involved, like bringing so, social studies to life. Um, I had one student, you know, once, once in a while you have a class where everything just sort of works together and the students are with you and yeah, and it's like a perfect class. You know, you don't even, they don't even have to pay me. It's just beautiful Aww. just to be in a classroom with great kids. And, and, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I get this one student that's like, you know, really morose and head down and I go, Oh, there goes the whole, you know, at the, the, the whole ambiance of the class. So, um, uh, but little by little, you know, since we were doing, um, these little skits and one of them, she had to play, you know, I think it was, uh, like uh, the Magna Carta and she was playing King John, you know, and, and all of a sudden this morose student who wouldn't talk to anybody came to life. Oh, wow. And, and, and from that little skit, believe it or not, she completely turned around. I mean, she was like the, the energy of the classroom. And, um, at, and, and I saw it. She had real talent. What I did, I would do a Regents review, review, oh, review. And, and so we, we did like a little show up in the theater 
and she was the star of that show. Oh, and I, 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 um, I encouraged her to apply to Stella Adler summer what? program, the summer Shakespeare program, and she got accepted with another student oh. there. So uh, I got over the years, I got um, four of them. Uh, my last one, I thought was my greatest success was, uh, you know, I got him his, his, you know, they, when he went there, they told him, you're not quite ready. Um, you know, as a bilingual kid from the Dominican Republic and they say, you're not ready for Shakespeare. I wanted to come back. And I said, no, you're ready for Shakespeare. Just tell him, make the appointment. And I, we did the, yeah. um, the Julius Caesar friends, Romans, countrymen, well, but I got him. I got him. I said, come, come with me, Gilberto. And we would, we would barge into a classroom and go, do the, do the monologue. Don't worry about it. And we just kept doing it for a week. He went there. They loved him. Boom. He's in the program. So I'm like happy, you know, Gilberto's there. So I'm hanging out on my couch in the summer. So a week after, and I get a call from them and he, he never showed up. So I had to track him down and try to convince him. But you know, he just, he just wasn't ready to make that 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 leap to go into Manhattan, and, and he had a, a job in McDonald's, which hey, you know, you got to make the money. So so, uh, but but you know, when he came back, that that uh, he felt bad about. It. He brought me some candy from the Dominican Republic, but you know, at least he got accepted. I thought it was a good experience for him. And look, you never know. Maybe down the road. He could, uh, he could still pursue it. So, uh, yeah. So as far as mentorship, um, I worked with this theater and you know how you, I, I do believe that you do need these mentors. Uh, uh, I was writing and, and, uh, you know, most of the time when you submit, it's like 99% rejection. So I, I got through a person, uh, in contact with, with, uh, James Jennings. I mentioned him uh, from ATA. And, um, and he gave me the opportunity to have one of my plays put up and he's always been supportive. And that's how I really learned the craft of playwriting because it's, it's one thing writing, but you really have to bring up, you have to have these productions and to see them. And luckily to have somebody that gives you that opportunity is invaluable, you know? So with each production, you see what works, what doesn't. And, you know, uh, it's a, a lifelong pursuit. You know, even as I speak now, I'm, I'm reading, you know, books about, you know, uh, playwriting and looking at things. And so it's developing a craft, you never perfected. You know, you're always working to, to make it a little bit better. That's, that's awesome. The same thing with teaching. You know, some, some days you're like the world's, you feel like you're the best teacher. And then other days you feel like you're just starting. So it's like with everything in the arts, right? Some right, days, absolutely. Some days you just don't feel so beautiful today. As you'll see, I see the playing, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so since we're talking about education, Orlando, you went to UT in Texas, the real UT. I went to University of Tampa, so whenever I say UT, people think I'm in Texas. Like, you know, the, the, the school that everybody knows about, not the little tiny one. Um, you got a degree in theater and tech and design, theater tech and design, I'm sorry. And yeah. Sarah, you're getting your master's in theater for diversity and inclusion at Montclair State. So how are you guys, do you feel like your education is benefiting you? Like, or how, or benefited you in Orlando's case? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I graduated from the University of Texas at El Paso. Uh, funny story, Chuck Gordon was teaching, <laughs> um, at my university while I was going there. So there's also that connection with Sarah. <laughs> Let, let's just be honest. 
if, if you've been taught by Chuck Gordon, you're going places. Please check out the Chuck Gordon, because, like, obviously, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, I will say in college, I was basically that kid that did not know what the hell he was doing. Um, so I was learning scenic design, costume design, prop design, uh, directing, acting. So I was a little bit all over the place. Uh, Chuck, I definitely learned a lot from Chuck, um, as far as directing and his nightmarish class called script analysis. Ooh. Um, but. I will admit that that class, even though it was a nightmare and put me through hell, um, allowed me, even as an actor, as a director, read scripts completely differently. Uh, so it wasn't until graduating that I really realized as much as my degree was in tech, I really loved more of the performance aspect of it. And that's when I just decided to just focus on performing. I do love, still love creating stuff, like, um, sets and stuff like that but i'm i'm still very much more invested in acting um but i feel like learning all of that has kind of made me very well rounded i guess um i haven't directed in a while i will say that but if anybody ever needs a director i could very easily just go and step in but if they need an actor i can just step in as actor yeah. Um, How about I, Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I talked uh, about my undergrad, I think, a little bit already, and everything Lando said, I mean, we, we had, I, and I know Lando had more um, teachers, uh, but we shared at least one of them, so a lot of that same experience is, is echoed, like, I would not be the actor I am, I would not be the director I am, I wouldn't be able to read a script uh, without that foundational, like, bachelor's education that I got. Uh, but currently, I, I am um, getting my master's certificate in um, theater for diversity, inclusion, and social change at Montclair State University, um, and that—that's just really important to me. Um, I realize that I am like a director of the future. Like that's what I want to be. I want to be in, in. I mean, I'm directing now, but uh in in 10 years and 20 years i want to be producing work i want to have my own theater where i am producing and directing my own work and i think it's become so did i freeze uh for a second but you're good good now i think um it's become so important to really embrace um diversity and inclusion in our theatrical spaces i don't want to make the same mistakes as producers before me i want to make theater a safe space i want to make theater a creative space for literally like everybody um and so it's really important for me to have this this certification and to learn i've learned so much already um that's awesome um i mean even it's uh, last semester, one of the classes I took was um, a Latinx theater class, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't know I didn't know anything about Latinx theater before I took the class. And now, um, because of that class, I actually feel like I <laughs> I can direct Lando's play, the Armando Project. Um, I feel like I wouldn't have had the confidence um, working with a piece like that if I hadn't studied it for a semester, um, and things like that. Um, and and it, I definitely in that passion to bring diversity uh, into theater uh, definitely affects all the choices I make. I mean, it affects the direction I took with this play. That's awesome. Um, and many, you, uh, I believe, 
you took part in this, which I found really interesting, a playwrights group production of, let's see, it's called 167 Tongues, a series of like right. about multicultural backgrounds and queens. It was featured in New York Times and American Theater. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how that came about? Yeah, that was a really um, great experience. I was part of this playwrights group uh, from the Queens uh, Theater, and uh, and through them I I got uh, connected to to the director of this piece, uh, uh, Ari Laurie Crete, and uh, and her idea was to send um, eleven playwrights. We went out into Jackson Heights. Now I had some experience in Jackson Heights. Because um, although I didn't live there, a lot of my students are from that area. So uh, even as I was walking around, I ran into one of my students. So I incorporated some of my experience with my students and walking around. And then we came back and we shared what we had seen and, and, and it came together. So uh, we got 37 actors, uh, 11 of these playwrights, and, uh, and, we, and we created a show. That reflects the life of Jackson Heights, which has, it's called 167 tongues. It's because 167 languages are spoken there. Wow. And, um, you know, teaching at Newtown, and we are one of the most uh, culturally diverse um, schools in, in the whole city and the, the whole area. So it was a beautiful piece. I mean, my piece was about sort of similar to this, but a little different, but it was about a, a Mexican, uh, architect meeting a Tibetan girl in the, in the, uh, and, and, and they were talking about art and, and then, and she's so, uh, and they were, and so there was this kind of cross cultural. And then, um, you know, from there it jumped to something else and, and then it would come around. So it was a, it was a fun experience. They did it for a month and we, we rented out, uh, or I guess they got the space in a junior high school in, in Jackson Heights. And then, um, we also did it at the Queens Museum. Uh, we did at the Queen's Theater, and then um, Ari got it to to play in the city for for a month. So uh, so it was nice, you know. And she actually did three different productions. Like it was that, and it was at uh, Jackson Heights at night and stuff. But I was only part of the first production. So it was this, a great experience. I, I they probably don't, but did they record this in any way? Because it sounds so cool. Um, I think the script is available. Oh, okay. uh, but I'm not sure if it's recorded, but, but you can buy the script. If you oh, want. okay, cool. That's really, yeah. and my dad yeah. actually grew up in Jackson Heights, so he'll get a big kick out of it. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 It's an amazing community. Yeah. I mean, so you have some of these beautiful, um, apartments with these gardens in the back that are phenomenal. And then just, uh, just, it's just a great place for food and, and just a cultural experience, you know? So, uh, so it was a lot of fun. And it was well received by the by the, awesome. the neighborhood, you know, people who might not normally go into the city to see theater will come into this junior high school and, right. and see this this performance with all these actors that might, you know, normally not get these uh, opportunities to do roles. So. That's awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. Um, and it's always nice to hear that people who wouldn't normally go to the theater, you're bringing them in. Because I know it's not accessible for everybody or not everybody feels like they fit in. Um, if you could, uh, this is an interesting question I thought of today. If you guys could give like a one or two sentence pitch to people for our play to tell them why they should, should land is laughing, why they should come see it. Like, I'm just curious what people would like, how you describe or draw somebody in. Sarah, I should start. Let's start with you. Could you think of anything or am I putting you too much on the spot? What would you say to people to get them? Why should people come and see this show? It doesn't even have to be one or two sentences. Why should they go? 
Um, okay. So this show is about two people who feel out of place, who feel like they're the other, who have never been, maybe never been noticed, or maybe been noticed in not the way that they wanted to be noticed, and are moving through life alone and a little bit scared. And they have that one second connection um, where they see themselves in each other. And whether whether or not they're going, they can make something of that one second connection or whether the, the fear is going to get in the way of that. Oh, that's really well put. I like that. Yay, Sarah! Uh, Manny, do you have, do you, what would you tell people why they should? Well, I would say, you know, live theater, you got to just support it. It's just, we, we missed it so much. Oh. And it's not just this piece, you know, it, it's, it's, it, there's four mm-hmm. other pieces, so it's five, five shows. They're, they're, they're um, short. So, uh, even if you don't like one, they'll <laughs> go away and there'll be another one. And it's just a great experience. It's a great, you know, it's, it's in the village, get something to eat, come see some shows, see what, you know, what the artists are doing and support that. And I'm sure you'll find at least one of these pieces that you'll, something that that'll be interesting um and i think you know so many of us we just sit home watch netflix or things like that and uh there's something about that live experience that really you can't duplicate it i mean zoom is great all power to it but that live experience is something that we should try to support as much as we can so that's what i would say that's great i agree completely i realized i was telling you guys the other day that like I don't think I've been on stage in like years, pandemic and everything. So I'm very excited. Um, Orlando, what would you say to tell people why they should come see this show? Um, it's an excellent, beautifully written script. Uh, definitely goes into the inner psyche of a person or human beings and how our own minds can sometimes become our own worst enemies. That's really good. That's very succinct too. I like that. I, I agree with all those things. I think it's really kind of, you know, the what if in your brain. It's almost like choose your own adventure kind of like in that sense. Um, and also, and I think I had skipped over this question, but I didn't want to miss it. The, sh- the show could kind of also be seen as dealing with like mental illness, I guess, because there's the one hand you think, oh, well, he's imagining this in his head. Um, on the other hand, it could be, it's gotten a little more extreme where he's maybe one of those people on the subway who unfortunately is sadly talking to themselves. So, and you also, um, many, you wrote a play, uh, called, I think, Excellent Souls, which was mm-hmm. a Yale drama finalist, which dealt with schizophrenia. So, oh, can you tell me a little bit more about that piece, maybe as well, and like why mental illness is Right. Well, well, schizophrenia, you know, that's the, in that piece, Excellent Souls, that was the diagnosed uh, mental illness, which unfortunately, you know, affects 1% of the population and it's uh, debilitating. And, and uh, uh, so that was, a, that was a full-on piece exploring how a, a family is impacted by that from like a father to a son and family. And uh, it was, a, you know, a, quite a uh, a piece that really tried to get into into the uh, issues of mental uh, mental health and as well as how these characters you know uh, combat it and eventually get affected by it. I feel in this character, um, what he's dealing with is is anxieties, insecurities, and fears that we all experience in one way or the other. And um, I, I think that the human condition 
is full of these, uh, you know, kind of anxieties and fears. And, uh, you know, we, we all, we all sometimes have them. Sometimes they happen at three in the morning. Sometimes they happen in a subway car. And, uh, you know, sometimes when we're uh, doing a podcast. <laughs> so, but, uh, but, you know, it's the universal experience. Those voices in our head are, are, are some, you know, that's, I guess, hopefully we, we all have time to meditate at some point during the day to kind of calm those voices. But they never go away, do they? Not really, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and Sarah and Lando, I know you also felt you know the play the touch on mental illness you want to touch on that a little bit or talk about how you felt it uh kind of um portrayed that a little bit um yeah i mean i our play similar to what many said um i've definitely had that that voice in my head um and and it's something that i'm really uh especially presently struggling with a lot more um so to be able to explore that on the stage and all the I don't want to say the pros and cons of it, but something I realized uh, recently, actually, like while while trying to meditate, um, is a lot of a lot of the like irrational fear that I have. Like it's irrational and it's unwanted, um, but it, it stems from a sense of self preservation. It stems from yeah. I'm I'm afraid for your well being. Like I am like we want to keep you safe. Like that is that is the root of my like my those irrational fears is like we don't want you to die, <laughs> we don't want people you love to get killed, uh, we don't want you to get hurt emotionally or physically. Uh, it's it's about the it's the self preservation, this instinct to, to keep yourself safe, um, and to explore like okay, well, that uh, the reason I think we have the, the this anxious instinct is because at some point in our in our lot like in our um in the beginning of humanity that was necessary for our survival like there were more threats of dying from day to day to day so the 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 anxiety kind of was a survival instinct i guess is what i'm trying to say so how that plays out in a situation present day um in a situation where like this could be something really positive between two people um i mean <laughs> many talked about the the moment where two people make eye contact and there's um and like i i'm one of the people lucky enough to like have experienced that like i my husband and i both say like the the moment we met was like we had a love at first sight moment the the room stopped everything froze oh, for like yeah. like it felt like forever it was probably just a second but it felt like forever it felt like a 10 minute play <laughs> <laughs> um and and then i kind of came to and i ran away and i avoided him for a weekend <laughs> um and i went through this whole weekend of trying not to talk to him and like being like very scared for Intense. like there were a lot of reasons that went behind it but you know i it went he was only in town visiting he lived out of town and it wasn't until like right before he left that it kind of occurred to me like if he leaves now and i don't give some indication that i'm interested i will probably not talk to him ever again and i don't want that to happen so i kind of was like got over that fear and was like, do you want to strange phone numbers? <laughs> scary. And, and now we're married. Scary. Um, so I feel like like 
this there's a lot of similarities between that experience and this play. <laughs> wow. Was that was it like that for you for your show and for you, Medi, with your with your spouses? You better just lie and say yes, it was. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how much you want to hear that, but it's a it's a it's a really weird story how I I met my wife. Uh, I had uh, we lived in the same building, so I I would see her in the elevator. Now I I I just found out recently there's actually a law in New York. That you're not supposed to talk to people in the elevator. What? Are you uh, there really like is a law in New York that's supposed to because people uh, in such enclosed space could could be made to feel uncomfortable. Well, I didn't know about that law, so I broke the law and I would just, Ooh. you know, very casually just speak to her. And um, I lived in the sixth floor; she lived in the third floor, so there wasn't that much conversation that could go go on. But uh, but one day, um, you know, I was working in the city. I told you that I had a job. Avenue of the Americas. It was a really windy day. Now, uh, I used to take the bus to work. It was right by, I, I didn't like the, the subways, a little claustrophobic, hate to admit it. So I was waiting for the bus, but it was a really uh, bad winter day. It was windy, stormy, and nobody was out in the streets and the bus wasn't showing up. So I was like thinking, I'm just going to go home. I mean, this is crazy. And all of a sudden, who do I see walking, you know, uh, by, you know, near me through the alleyway, uh, was, uh, passageway. Um, my wife with, with a, like an umbrella and the umbrella, the wind is like blowing the umbrella so she can't even use the, uh, the Aww. umbrella. And so she walks and I see her walking to like, I figured she's going to walk to the, uh, to the subway. So I said, well, maybe if I, go up and I get the subway. Now, again, I hadn't been in the subway in a while and it was crazy. I get to 67th Avenue. That's a stop. It's a local stop. The, 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 the subway is completely packed. And finally, I get to Roosevelt Avenue. It's the express stop. I get out because they told us to get out. And then another train comes in. It's full. And I'm looking for her, looking for her, looking for her. And like the last car, I see her. So I rat, I rush in there. I get into the last car, but now, now she's all the way in the other side oh, yeah. and, and it's completely packed, this car. So oh. I'm going, excuse me, 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 until I finally, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm standing and she's sitting and, and I start talking. I don't know. She probably, she was, uh, maybe she was feeling uncomfortable. So maybe I should have just kept quiet, but I just kind of <laughs> made a little chit chat with her and uh and i remember at the last thing i said well maybe we could have some coffee so you know i got her number but now i didn't write it down so i kept i kept like remembering a number remembering a number until i got to the office and then i could write it down and the first time i called her she said no nobody lives here it's a wrong number and she she hung up on me i had to call her back i go remember me i'm the guy and then she then uh that's fine. you know anyways so now we've been married that how many years? That's amazing. <laughs> so, okay, this yeah, is such a, a fun story. <laughs> really, this is like we now we're seeing some of the inspiration. I feel like for our story. Um, but this is not what I expected us to talk about, but I love it. So now, Orlando, I'm sorry, but I want to hear your your meeting of your wife's story. This is a very, <laughs> single person. It's very encouraging. She does these things. <laughs> um. Well, the first time I saw uh, my wife, I was a. Uh, I was a TA uh, working for the scene shop. 
Um, and part of the, the things we would have to do in our school is that even the actors have to do some scene shop hours uh, for certain classes. Um, and that day she was, I guess she was doing some scene shop hours. She laughs at me because I tell her like she was on stage and I come in from the door and the spotlight is like straight up just shining on her. Um, and I say her hair was blowing in the wind, but she always points out that that's impossible because we were inside. But I'm like, <laughs> still, I noticed her um, and was uh, attracted to her. Um, but I'm always very reserved, very quiet. So they didn't talk to her. Um, trying to think of the, the main point in which we started talking. Um, so we, we met the week I was graduating. She was a freshman and I was graduating already, uh, from college. Um, and the, the day that we met, uh, one of my friends, um, we were chilling at his dorm and he's like, bro, everybody that works in the show that was happening uh, at the time they were working on of mice and men at our university. He says, everybody's going to go to the village in, uh, to have dinner. And let's go. I was like, sure, whatever. Let's go. So I go and my friend who's can sometimes be an asshole. <laughs> as soon as we enter the restaurant, he finds a chair next to his other friend and he goes sits with them. And I'm like, well, shit. All right. Cool. The only chair available was next to her uh -huh. at this point i don't know her but i'm like well she's cute i'll talk <laughs> um i always laugh because i ordered a buffalo chicken sandwich and i never share that sandwich but to her i was like you want a piece and we just kicked it off that day um we started talking um i knew about her love of kingdom hearts i had no <laughs> idea what kingdom hearts was um and now I play the video game as well. Uh, so that's really what started the conversation. And then next thing we knew, there was a connection there. We dated for a long time, a very long time. Um, we actually ended up getting, uh, we got married in 2019. And at wow. that point we had been dating for nine years. Was she, was she like, you need to like hurry up? Oh yeah, she she had been telling me that for for some time. Um, so yeah, when she came up to New York, I ended up coming with her, and not even like three months into us living in New York, I was like, "Well, I'm gonna go buy a ring and just ask her." Yeah, mm. why not? So that's kind of shows you. Thank you for sharing your stories, guys. This kind of shows you the possibilities that are out there. You know, yeah. it's too bad we can't. Throw that into the man in the play. This is what happen. I um, see. I see the man in the play in all of our scenarios, though. We all had that yeah. like fear of like, mm, I talk, no, 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 and then we try, and then we're like, I just said something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like I see, I see the character in all of us. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, as much as there are happy stories, unfortunately, of course, there are the at least in this city, the very disastrously experiences. Unfortunately, it's part of life, but some of the experiences aren't so great. <laughs> and yeah. anyone who's dated in New York City, especially, like, you know, there's all these people, but there's also a lot of assholes, unfortunately. A lot of lovely people, but there's, yeah. Um, so one thing I always try to ask as we're getting to the end, um, and thank you guys for talking for so long with me. 
Um, if there was a time as artists that you guys wanted to give up and what got you to keep going? I say this because I feel like it's inspiring to hear how like successful people like got through these these struggles of like wanting to quit or, or you know what I mean. So anyone who wants to go first. <laughs> if you have that, like, maybe you haven't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. It's a frustrating time either way. I would say for me, right after graduating, I had a big struggle in finding jobs, finding gigs. Um, I took a retail job to kind of <laughs> just help me get through. And next thing I knew, I was there for six years. Um, it was one of those things that one year in the job, they were like, we're going to make you a seasonal manager. I was like, okay, I'll be seasonal manager. Um, that prevents me from auditioning, but it's at least seasonal. And then they promoted me to, uh, temp, uh, main assistant manager full time. Um, and then I stayed, it was assistant to the assistant manager. It was, it was kind of not still management, but not one of the main managers. Um, but that very easily led me into a six year spiral in which I just, got stuck there um and then uvia made the move up to new york and it was kind of one of those things where it's like why am i still here in, in texas when my girlfriend's in new york and then that's when i decided to come to new york um in which i learned my love for writing and now awesome. i'm pursuing writing when i thought i was done with everything let's see i feel like we've all had so many like, I mean, crazy jobs. I worked as a paralegal for a while. Basically, like, my last one, I just, I was, like, told myself, I'm going to go to New York, but just be safe. I grew up in Long Island, but my family moved us to Florida after high school. So that was a big thing, but it was, it, I made good money, but I was just very, like, you get depressed, kind of, because you're not having a creative outlet. Um, so what about you, like, Sarah? Was there a time that you were, like, oh, <laughs> what got you? I laughed, because, like, every week? It's, it's tough. I mean, this, industry it's so unique in that we especially when you're starting out unless you're very very lucky you cannot make a living just doing what you love and if you're lucky and you get like let's say you book a show that's like a three-month-long project or something and you have you're living comfortably you're happy for that period of time and then it always ends um and there's no guarantee you're gonna be able to get a booking that like picks up right after that project ends like it's so you're forced to accommodate with like other forms of income that aren't fulfilling um and then there's that risk of getting trapped of like them being like no or or uh, i'm gonna promote you so you have more money and you're like wow i need more money but then i need to stay off for an audition no like even if you're not promoted it's like i need to stay off for an audition um no um it's it's a really tough balance to strike to find someone who's <laughs> flexible with the and also I get very attached I and I know my husband is especially like like about this as well like we both worked jobs where we've um been like uh like teachers like he's been a substitute teacher I've worked like we both worked at like summer camps and like camps of children and like like that sort of thing so that's even more like tough because it's like once you develop a relationship with people and you develop especially kids and they look up to you and they ask about you and they miss you when you're not there right. having to just be like drop at a at a like be like I gotta go and do what you need to do it's it's just so hard and 
I, every week, I think I have my, like, little moment where I'm like, I should just go and open an animal shelter and help <laughs> save either. stray That's cats fun. and dogs and then i'll but then it's like my, my husband usually points out that like that's not a consistent form of income no. either you are you are struggling to spay stray cats and dogs um and and normally i i, I get over it and I, I keep doing what i'm doing and uh take one day at a time um what you can do yeah that's all you can do is just take one day at a time yeah, I've, I've done sub teaching work as well, like just here. But yeah, there's like, I get like, I tell my friends, like, I have an existential crisis where I'm like, why haven't I done more to explain my life? Oh, what am I? Yeah, and you, especially as artists, I feel like a lot of us do that. And many, did you have an instance where you were like, oh, this is frustrating. I'm not going to do this writing anymore. Well, you know, I, I really got into serious debt. Um, when I was just doing day-to-day subbing. And once I started doing the full-time teaching, you know, it kind of, you owe it to the students. They become, you have 150 students. And uh, day-to-day, you try to maintain your love of writing and theater uh, through, like, with the students. You know, that I would have, I had, like, the monologue project where they had to bring uh, characters to life. So try to incorporate that. And my own thing, sometimes, you know, I, 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 what I did, I did a lot of the shorter plays that little more time. Like one time we went to the, me and my wife went to the Met. And on the way to the subway, we saw like something was like, something looked strange in this place. And, and I said, let's just go in. And I walk in and next to the Met is like a bingo hall. And I go, what? Well, where are these people? And it's like, so it's like a, so I, I wrote this play called Final Bingo. And I, and I had sent this, you know, I'm always submitting, even I had little plays and I kept submitting to this theater, um, uh, festival and they had something like 20 years after. So it fit into it. I had, and, and this, uh, was the Heartland Theater Festival. It's uh, out of Illinois. And they would give you first you like became semi-finalist, then you became finalist. And I had made semi-finalists a couple of times with short plays, but finally on my birthday, I opened up the, the, the email and it says, Congratulations, you're a winner. And uh so that kind of, you know, little things like that. I mean, that was great. I actually got to go out there and it was it was a great experience. You know, one of the weird experiences to say, how do you maintain your writing and not give up? So we go to normal Illinois. It's like an hour away from Chicago. And, uh, and I don't know the town, you know, I'm, but, uh, we were in the dark parking lot and I, and this is after the show and I see a man. He's got like his hands in his pocket and he's walking toward us. And I go, great. I got to come to normal Illinois or New York City to get mugged. <laughs> you know, so, so he comes, he comes to me and then he takes his hand out and he shake you know ready to shake my hand and he just says to me keep on writing and uh and you know experiences like that you just know that you just want to keep doing it and uh as far as for finances you know i gotta admit i i did it you know teaching and that that paid the bills but whenever i got a chance and luckily Finding a job like that gave me summers and, you know, and time to, to work on my writing when I could. And, um, and that's how I was able to, to maintain my, 
my artistic pursuits. That's good, yeah. Um, so, uh, as we're starting to wrap this up, can you tell me, like, Orlando and Sarah, other than the play you're working on, what's next for you two, and many, if you have any plays in the works? Whoever wants to go first. If there is something next time. I know that's a um. terrible question. You've been asking it. I hate that question, but. Well, we already said it, but I'll say it again. Um, March 6th, the yep. Armando Project, Orlando and I both. Um, right, right, right. At the Nutley Little Theater in New Jersey. Um, I meant like besides that, but of course. Besides that, um, I don't have any more directing projects aside from that. After that, I am going to go back to submitting, um, try to get some work as an actor. Um, I am, the big thing I'm looking forward to is actually a study abroad trip to London, um, this March as well. Um, I'm really lucky that, uh, my school, my program at school, um, I'm getting to go to London. I get to see six, uh, shows at, um, West End, uh, The Globe. Um, we get to, um, to get a tour at The Globe. Um, they're actually trying to set it up. There's a chance we'll get to, perform on the globe stage do a little shakespearean monologue which will be exciting we get to take some acting workshops um so that's going to be an amazing learning experience and i'm very excited to take all of that come back from london and use what i learned to uh submit myself (laughs) that's awesome how about you many uh, after your play um i have something coming up in in may at the new york um theater festival it's called uh a piece called Sonam's Gift, and uh, and then I'm working, um, you know, on a couple of full length pieces that I've been working on through the pandemic, and uh, you know I've had a, a couple of readings, Zoom readings, uh, still kind of playing around with it, and uh, you know seeing where that goes. That's awesome. What, the one you said that was coming up in was it March? Was it or May? Uh, th- that's in May at the the New York Theater Festival. Where does that take place? So, you want to see that? Yeah, uh, yeah. This uh, I, I don't have all the the, the specs, but if you just go to the to the website, New York um, Theater Festival, gotcha. you can check it out. Sounds good. And uh, and uh, yeah, many just got many things lined up. How about you, Lando? Um, honestly, it's mostly writing. Um, I have a like. I want to say like three scripts that are just need, they need the third act to mm-hmm. finish mm-hmm. off that script. Um, and then, um, one of my horror plays, it has a, it has a full second draft. Nice. Um, and I've had some enlightening thoughts as to how, where to go for a third draft. So it's honestly just writing. Um, getting a first draft done in like three scripts and getting a third draft done on the horror play. Cause I mean, as a playwright, that's my goal, bringing horror to theater. Ooh. I feel like there's that not enough tough. of that. Yes. I like so that. So exciting. I, I want to see the horror play. <laughs> I do too, actually. Uh, and I know, I don't know if many has his plays there, but I know Orlando, you have some of your plays on, if guys are, if anyone who's listening is familiar with New Play Exchange, which is fantastic, he's got his plays there. Um, yeah. Uh, I, many, I don't think yours are there, but I think you said that, uh, at least one of them, the one we talked about with the different tongues, I think, is, is, you said is available probably somewhere on the internet, hopefully. 
Um, I think so, yeah. If you look up 167 tongues, awesome. you probably find And there was it. at least one play of yours that I was able to actually read quickly that was online as well. The short play. Oh, shock, right. Yes, yes. yes. That was a good one, too. Good. That was another two-hander person. Um, yeah. And uh, so, guys, many, I'm not sure if you're on social media or how do people, like, follow along with you? Many, Sarah, Orlando. Tell us about your social medias or the websites or best ways to follow so that we know about upcoming performances and all that jazz. Whoever wants to start. Uh, I'm mostly active on Instagram. I don't have a Facebook anymore or Twitter, uh, but on Instagram, I'm Orlando.F.Rodriguez. Uh, and if you want to see some cringy TikToks, it's <laughs> O.F.Rodriguez. Um, and on, if you want to see my writing on you play exchange, just find Orlando F. Rodriguez. Perfect. How about Sarah? Um, so you can, my website, uh, sarahgordon.com, S-A-R-A-H-G-O-R-D-E-N. Uh, a lot of people like to forget that E. Um, <laughs> uh, dot com. Uh, also there's drawingcastproductions.com, drawingcastproductions on YouTube and Instagram. Um, I am also on Instagram. You can follow me at Sarah phrased underscore scripts. Um, and the same, uh, handle at Sarah phrased scripts on TikTok. I recently started, um, posting a series of videos on TikTok helping actors to find audition monologues. Um, I am starting this new Fun. venture where I am trying to read as many scripts as I possibly can oh. and find monologues for different types of of actors, different types of characters, and let you know where those monologues are so you're not uh, looking around blindly for for a character that, that fits you. Um, so if that's something that you think would be helpful for you, definitely give me a follow on, on TikTok and uh, uh, Instagram. And pretty soon, in the next couple months, I'm going to be bringing that to YouTube as well. I filmed some videos. I just need to edit them. So it'll be Sarah Phrase scripts on YouTube as well. Awesome. And these two also I follow on Instagram. So if you're already following me, I follow that in the drawing cast that you can also find them that way. And many Barrero, um, what's the best way for people to come, um, keep up with you? Do you have a website or anything like that? Or um, No, just that blog that I was saying. Oh, it's blog. A, How could they find uh, the blog? Yeah. It's, it's a wildsofqueens.blogspot.com. And it's a year in the life of me meandering around Queens. I didn't really go many other places uh so uh so it's just uh every you know every few days i'd write uh, and I, I, you see the life of 2021 with some of the uh things that were going on with the pandemic and just um day-to-day -day, uh experiences um so that that would be something if you're interested to kind of keep up and uh awesome and then uh yeah. So the, the the other the other thing is this uh, New York film. Uh, I mean, film uh, theater festival in May. Right. Sonam's gift. Awesome. Well, that that sounds great. You guys, thank you so much for being here. Um, the play that we you're in, directing and the writer here, um, is called The Brief Encounter. Again, it's going to be this coming Thursday through Saturday at seven p.m. at the Players. If you get February or February tenth through the thirteenth. Yes. Did I say, did I not say February? I'm so sorry. I didn't say you said, you said this Thursday, but for anyone who's listening, February 10th through 13th, yeah. <laughs> 2022. Um, 2022. Um, the last day of the Sunday is the only one that's at free, free, right? Um, and, uh, you know, if you want a discount code, that's just let us know. I don't know if we're, I was about to say it, but I don't know if we're allowed to say it publicly. 
But uh, yeah, it's it's cast. Just put in the word cast. <laughs> but uh, you can check out. I have a link tree on my Instagram and stuff. Um, hopefully, lots of people will be coming. Like like many said, there's several uh, there's several plays performing as well. I'll make sure earlier in the program we'll have those spoken out. But I hope you guys. If you want to, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say if you want to go ahead and follow the festival, that's uh, Be Bold Theater on Instagram. Um, and you can also follow the Players Theater on Instagram, and they definitely. Uh, Be Bold Theater, I think, definitely has the link in their description. That'll take you to the ticket site, or you could find um, NYC Short Plays exactly. online. Absolutely. Yeah, I have it. If, uh, I also have it in my link tree, but those are other good places. And as I was saying, uh, if you're coming in the city, if you just get off of West Fourth, it's very close to that area. I know not everybody's in New York, so um, those who are obviously in the area and able to come, we'd love to see you. You do have to be vaccinated, both shots or one of Johnson Johnson. And of course, we do. You do have to be masked the whole time. But I think it's worth it for five short plays. I think it's a great show, and I think you'll really like it. So, Sarah, Minnie, and Orlando, thank you for being on Johanna's Art Beats, and hopefully, we'll all see you at the theater soon. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Well, that's just about going to do it for another episode of Johanna's Art Beat. I'm your host, Johanna Grisset. Again, thank you for listening. A big thank you to my guests, Manny Brero, Orlando F. Rodriguez, and Sarah Gordon. Don't forget, February 10th to the 13th of 2022 at the Players Theatre. Code CAST. And coming up on the podcast this month, I'm going to have um, special guests, very special guests from This Is BS The Series, Lindsay Bristol and Ella Smith will be joining me later this month. And also Jonathan Saranga will also be joining me later this month. So please stay tuned. Keep listening. Um, for tickets for the play, you can check out the Players Theater. That's the Players Theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E.com. Or you can check out, if you follow me on social, I'm on uh, Instagram as Johanna R. Grisay. That's Johanna R. Grisay, and there's a link tree there. You can check out my website, johannagrisay.com or on Facebook as artist Johanna Grisset, also on Twitter as well. This episode is, is dedicated to my mom, who unfortunately is not going to be able to attend this production, but she came to my first ever New York City play, and I know she's going to be watching the, uh, the version we taped, so I'm very excited about that, and I thank her for all her support. Love you, Mom. Thank you again for listening. Get vaccinated if you haven't yet. Get your booster if you haven't yet, and stay safe and be well. Thanks again for tuning in.